When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. You're listening to episode 43 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're talking about the issues surrounding our wardrobes. We're discussing the consequences of the fast fashion industry, and we're talking about why on earth it is so important to embrace slow, or what my guest today calls conscious fashion. My guest today is Erin Polloway of My Green Closet. Now, if you've ever researched ethical fashion, chances are real good you've come across Erin and her YouTube channel. She's a big name in this arena, and she comes armed to today's conversation with an awful lot of knowledge. Even better, she's here to offer some incremental changes that all of us can make surrounding our clothes that have huge impacts. Now, Erin today doesn't tell you to throw out your entire wardrobe and start over, but she does give seven real concrete strategies for making purchases surrounding clothes and fashion that are more conscious and intentional. This week's show notes can be found at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 043, mamaminimalist.com forward slash 043. Enjoy the episode. Erin, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat. I am so excited to chat too. This is, I must admit, a topic that I am lacking a little bit of wisdom in. So I always love talking to people smarter than me. And why don't we just start right off the bat with telling us who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I run a YouTube channel and a blog mainly focused on sustainable and ethical fashion and conscious living. And I have a background in fashion design, and that was kind of how I got introduced to this industry and learned a lot about what was going on. And then I just want to kind of share that with people and get people to think a bit more about their purchases and what they're bringing into their closet and where it came from. Right off the bat, I feel as though we should just define what is ethical fashion, in your opinion. Yeah, so that's a good question. And everybody has different opinions on, or I guess, ideas of what those terms mean. So I kind of use the terms, there's three different terms, I guess, that I use. I use sort of conscious fashion as sort of a blanket over 
overarching theme, I guess. And then there's two terms that are used quite often, which is ethical fashion and sustainable fashion. And people define those differently. But for me, ethical fashion really focuses on the workers, the garment workers. So are they being paid fairly? Do they have safe working conditions? Is it ethically made? And then there's also a sustainability aspect to it. And some people will you know, do kind of see sustainable fashion and ethical fashion as combining both of those. And I do see a lot of overlap, but I think sustainable fashion is really focused on the sustainability. So, you know, what's the impact of these garments? How is it affecting the planet? And I, yeah, those terms can be used sort of interchangeably and people have different definitions, but I kind of see all of these things belonging under umbrella of just generally more conscious and responsible fashion. Are there brands out there who are ethical and sustainable all at once? Or is it more of a, the consumer picks what's most important to them and kind of travels down that fashion path? Yeah. So there's all kinds of different brands out there. There's some brands that have really strong ethics. Um, Maybe they do really interesting things with artisans and supporting communities. You also have brands that have these sort of charitable projects that are involved with the brand, um, which takes on a different form in terms of ethics because it might not necessarily be related to their manufacturing, but they might have other really strong programs that they do. There might be brands that are really just focused on the sustainability aspect and don't do a lot in terms of ethics. But then there's brands that have a whole mix of those. And a lot of the brands that I really like supporting kind of are doing things in both those sustainability and ethics areas. So it really depends on the brand. And you'll see a whole range of brands from brands that do just a tiny bit in terms of maybe sustainability to brands that really are involved in all of these different areas and trying to improve their impact and their ethics wherever they can. You mentioned that you went to fashion design school. Yes. Yeah. Which came first? Was it the interest in conscious fashion or was it that going to school in this field got you interested in conscious fashion? So I really didn't know that much about the fashion industry going into fashion. And I think a lot of people really don't know a lot about what's involved in fashion and making clothing. And it really was through studying it that I got to dig into these issues a lot more. And especially when I was in school, there wasn't a lot of information about there on the ethics and sustainability of fashion. And it kind of came up through my studies where I learned more and more about these different issues and what was going on in the industry. And a lot of the stuff really wasn't sitting right with me. And I went through a whole period of really questioning, like, is this an industry that I want to be involved in? Is this, you know, can I work with brands like this who are doing a lot of pretty irresponsible and just kind of terrible things to the planet? And it was really shocking. And that totally changed my perspective. And I got a lot more interested in the idea of slow fashion and responsible production and just really trying to make clothes in a in a better way. And so, yeah, and then through that, I was able to kind of focus my studies and my career path to to learning a lot more about those things. I'd love to dig deeper into slow fashion versus fast fashion. And I'd love to set the question up this way. Most people, you know, need or think they need or just 
want a new piece or two to their wardrobe. So they go to the mall, they shop the sales, and they come home, never really thinking about the ethical and sustainable issues that go into whatever it is they just purchased. What is it that most people don't know? What is the nitty gritty behind the fashion industry? Oh, man. So there really is so much to unpack with fashion. But in terms of, I guess, some of the main, the common issues that you see a lot is if you go all the way back, right? You know, fashion comes from some kind of resource. So if that's cotton, you know, it's grown somewhere. It's actually an incredibly water intensive crop. Um, there are issues around harvesting it. If we look into synthetics, a lot of those are petroleum products and there's various chemicals involved in this process, sometimes not being properly disposed of. And this is going all the way back to the initial resources. And then as you move along the supply chain, there are more and more issues because there's more people involved. There's also more um, issues around the production and the pollution and the energy use. You have things like, you know, we all, so I think something that we're pretty familiar with is general working conditions. And there was things like the Rana Plaza factory collapse, which was incredibly tragic and made people a lot more aware of the safety of factories. And so I think people are a bit more aware of, you know, the idea of sweatshops and poor working conditions that come along with fashion. But that's just in the sewing stage, right? So if you look throughout all the other stages, there are people that are making the fabric, that are weaving or knitting the fabric, that are dyeing it, that are, again, going back to people who are harvesting the cotton. And all of those people in the supply chain, they also should be you know, fairly paid and have safe and healthy working conditions. But we tend to only see, I guess, the sewing side more in the media but there is a whole huge supply chain around that. And in terms of sustainability, um, like I said, there's the resource and energy use, but then you also have something happening at the end, like post-consumer. So there's a huge problem with textile waste and fast fashion is really contributing to that because people are buying and consuming so many clothes and throwing away so many clothes. And this textile waste, a lot of it is plastic. So, you know, we have issues around microfiber pollution where tiny, tiny little fibers from our plastic clothing and synthetic clothing is going into water systems and polluting our oceans. And then we have clothing that's just sitting in landfills and, you know, a lot of it isn't biodegradable. So what's happening to it? Like we're creating all of this garbage. And then even something which people don't really consider is the use stage. So when you have a piece of clothing and you're washing it and you're drying it, there's an incredible amount of energy that actually goes into those clothes and being able to care for those clothes, especially when it comes to things like dryers and washing machines. So literally throughout the entire life cycle of a garment, there are various like issues in terms of sustainability and ethics. And it's a lot and it can feel really overwhelming getting into it. And I totally get why people kind of start to learn about you know, some of these things that are happening, it's like you unpackage one thing and you find 10 other issues that are somehow connected to that. And so it is a really huge topic and a huge problem. And it's something that we're really not very familiar with because we are so disconnected from the way our clothes are made. You know, 50 years ago, most people knew how to sew and at least like mend things and understood more the process of how clothing was made. And now we, you know, very few people make their own clothes or know how to sew or 
or know anything about how a garment comes together. So we're completely disconnected from this process. And I think because of that, we really don't understand what goes into making clothes. Mm. I totally agree with that. I remember even my mother 30 odd years ago had patterns for clothing and she would she would not always but sometimes make our clothes. If you asked me to make a shirt, <laughs> I mean, I would run to the fabric store. I would have no idea what fabric to purchase and then I would go home and just stare at it. I have absolutely no idea what goes into making the fabric, let alone sewing it and making it look halfway decent on a human's body. So you're totally right in that regard. I feel as though the media has sort of picked up on the topic of fast fashion. A lot of people have heard that term and know it's bad, but maybe a lot of people don't know why. So I'm wondering why on earth should people be concerned about fast fashion? Yeah. So in my opinion, fast fashion creates two huge issues. So a big part of fast fashion is that it has constant turnover of product and there are always new trends. There's always new clothes in stores. So going back a bit, actually, the big difference between a traditional fashion model and fast fashion is that the traditional fashion model actually started off with just two seasons. So there was spring and summer and fall and winter and designers would put out two collections a year for those seasons. And then it branched out into four seasons. So we had fall, winter, spring, and summer. And now with fast fashion, fast fashion brands are putting out clothes every week, sometimes multiple times a week. They'll have new clothes out on the floor. And the idea is you can always shop and always buy new clothes. And the prices are really affordable. And there's always new things. And it's really exciting. And it creates this whole atmosphere of like, mass consumption and constantly buying and buying. And because the prices are so affordable, there also is this big disposability issue. So a lot of people don't hang on to their clothes very much and maybe the clothes aren't very good quality. So you can't even keep it and hang on to it. And you know, you hear things like people buying a dress for a weekend out and then throwing it away after. And this is a huge symptom of fast fashion because We've not only been taught to shop a lot, but we've also been taught that our clothing is now something that's disposable. And because of those issues, you know, we have clothing that is very cheap, which then if we go back through the supply chain, right, because it's so cheap, who is paying for that? Like, are people getting, you know, not paid properly? Is there maybe costs being cut around um, the safety of the buildings, around the materials, around the disposal of toxins and pollutions, like all those things kind of trickle back through the supply chain. And you have to look at, okay, where are these costs being cut to allow us to buy a $5, $10 garment, wear it twice and throw it away. And then, like I said before too, textile waste is such a huge problem. So not only are we consuming all this stuff and you know, there's issues with the supply chain beforehand, but then they're just ending up somewhere, maybe in the ocean, maybe in a landfill. Like there's all of these problems that are stemming from the fact that we have been taught to just keep buying new clothes all the time. I'm of the impression regarding fast fashion that it's also very trendy in terms of style. So fast fashion may not have the timeless silhouettes. It might be a halter top, let's say circa 2005 or whatever, you know, whatever's in or big, bold floral prints was big last year, right? And so it's kind of like made to be discarded. 
Is that an accurate assumption? Totally. Yeah, exactly. The fast fashion business model is built on the idea of getting you to come in the store, finding something really cute and trendy and cheap. You buy it, you wear it for a very short time, and then you move on to the next thing and you come back and you buy something else. And then 20 years later, when you're looking back at pictures of these super trendy items that you purchased and discarded, you think to yourself, what on earth was I doing wearing that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's it's such a bizarre industry because, yeah, it, like you said, it's really built on just those like fun, trendy, buy a lot of these cute pieces. But also most of the time you don't really develop your own sense of style that way if you're shopping that way, just buying whatever is new in the store. And yeah, I agree. I think there is probably a lot of people that are going to look back on those photos and maybe question their decisions. So we identified fast fashion What is slow fashion? Yeah, so slow fashion is essentially the opposite of that. So it is fashion that is looking at the whole supply chain, looking at, you know, where can things be made better? A big part of slow fashion is quality over quantity. So creating good quality pieces that are classic styles that you're going to want to keep for years and that are going to last years. And you're going to want to care for them because they're pieces that you really love. And they're brands that care about the materials, like where the materials came from. Often they have really strong ethics built into their brand. So it's made by people who are really skilled and are paid fairly. And it just essentially is clothing that is made in a really thoughtful and mindful way throughout the supply chain and for the consumer. So the consumer can have something that's really special. They're going to want to keep it. And when it maybe reaches the end of their life, maybe it can be mended or it's something that is not going to just sit in a landfill, but can somehow, I don't know, decompose or maybe be reworked. Or these are pieces that can have a long life instead of like the super quick few weeks or maybe just a couple months life of fast fashion. Slow fashion seems right in line with minimalism and that it might be more about spending a little more on quality, timeless pieces instead of having a closet full of trendy pieces that look and feel cheap. Yeah, 100%. And actually, it's through the idea of slow fashion that I really got involved with minimalism because it's exactly that. I guess I sort of realized that even if we can clean up all the supply chains in the world and make everything super ethical and sustainable, it doesn't solve anything unless we change how we consume. So, you know, we can't be consuming at the same rate that we are. Um, That is really, I think, the root of a lot of the issues in the fashion industry is just how fast and how much we're consuming. And minimalism ties so well into that because you are so much more mindful and you consider each item that you buy and then you want it to be something that is going to last, that is good quality, that isn't just like a super trendy piece that you're only going to wear a few times. And I think it just aligns so well. And also for me personally, getting more into minimalism and having a capsule wardrobe allowed me to invest more in the pieces that I want to buy. I'm spending the same amount of money that I was spending when I was shopping fast fashion, but I'm buying fewer but better pieces. I'd love to hear all about your capsule wardrobe because when I talk about capsule wardrobes and when I've tried to create one for myself, I feel as though it comes out feeling a little meh 
like a little boring. So tell us about yours first, and then I'll ask you how to make mine not so boring. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, I definitely want to say that a capsule wardrobe is a process for sure. And it takes quite a while, I feel like, to get it to the point that you feel really comfortable with it and you're happy with your pieces. Because at least for me, I learned so much just trying out a capsule wardrobe and tweaking it and playing around with it until I found something that seemed to really work for me. And definitely, you know, having some good pieces as a foundation is really important. So it also really depends on what you're starting with. But yeah, for me, I just went through my closet. I did a huge declutter. I decided that I was going to try out Project 333. And that was kind of a challenge. I decided to do it for a year. And now four years later, I'm still doing it. I love it. But um, yeah, I I just took it on as a challenge to see what this whole capsule wardrobe thing was like. And definitely at the beginning, I struggled with some things. I had to swap out some things that weren't really working. But as I kept doing it, I learned a lot about what sorts of pieces I really wore and what pieces I wasn't really wearing in terms of both my style and comfort and fit. And I really was able to zero in on those pieces and styles and items that I loved wearing to eventually be able to build a capsule wardrobe that's just full of pieces that I really enjoy wearing and that work well together. But yeah, I totally get that some people are sort of discouraged jumping into it because I think it really is a process and it does take some time. So totally putting you on the spot, but how many pieces, if you had to guess, are in your capsule wardrobe? So I do a seasonal capsule wardrobe. So I do four every year. And each one of those has about 30 to 35 pieces. But there is a lot of crossover between seasons. I at one point counted up my total amount of clothes, including everything that I had. And I think it was between 60 and 70 pieces total. And that was including like workout wear and stuff like that, which I don't include in my regular capsule. It's just, you know, my day-to-day clothes. Um, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm probably still around that number. I'm not totally sure. I moved recently and had to get rid of some stuff and some stuff has changed, but each season I have about 30 to 35 pieces, but a lot of those pieces do move between all the seasons. Mm. So you're right in line with project three, three, three then. Yeah. Right? Isn't it 33, yeah. 33 pieces, not including underwear and exercise stuff, I, think, yeah. I believe. Yeah, not including underwear, exercise stuff, like your lounge home clothes, just the clothes that you would wear out, I guess, day to day. Got it. So going back to slow fashion, I feel as though a lot of criticism surrounding ethical fashion, slow fashion, is that the options are often neutral and boring and the silhouettes are unflattering are those accurate assumptions or are those just way too generalized? So I totally get those criticisms. And a lot of the slow fashion you do see does tend to be a very like clean, minimalist style. Um, often brands do have a more simpler cut. And there are some reasons for that. But I also don't think it's fair to like blanket all slow fashion like that because there are some brands doing some really cool and interesting things. I do totally understand why people have that perception though, because a lot of the brands out there do tend to be like that, but you can hunt and you can for sure find brands that fit your style and are doing really fun things. I think 
there sort of is this idea that with slow fashion, you want to create styles and pieces that are going to work well and going to work in, you know, capsule wardrobes, work well with other pieces, have very neutral palettes because, you know, that stuff does go with a lot. And brands also want to keep their designs pretty simple because if you get into quite complex designs, it often increases the cost of things. And ethical fashion already has a higher price point just due to the fact that, you know, people are often paid fairly and there's a lot more um, money that goes into the supply chain to buy good quality materials and all these other things. So we do see a higher price point. And in order to keep the price points down or at least lower, brands will often simplify or have more simple designs because it cuts down on their sewing costs and they're often their fabric usage, things like that. There's various reasons why, but I do think that part of the fact that we see a lot of minimalist, simple designs is because it can help with your price point. I think with slow fashion, it's so easy to kind of see a couple brands and think that that's all that's out there. But really there are so many cool brands. There's a brand that I just discovered recently, actually, which is a Canadian brand called Tamga. And they do these beautiful, vibrant prints, like bright florals and all kinds of just really vibrant styles and super cute stuff. And it's not at all what you would think of if you thought sustainable fashion. And there's brands like that out there. There's all kinds of brands doing fun stuff. It just takes a little bit of hunting sometimes. Are there brands that you would recommend to somebody interested in paying a little bit more money for the good stuff and embracing ethical fashion? Yeah, totally. So um, there's quite a few brands out there that are doing some really interesting things, whether it's around ethics or sustainability or both. It it does depend on kind of what your priorities are in terms of where you want to shop. And, you know, some people really value fair trade. Some people really want to focus on animal welfare and brands that are conscious of that. Some people care a lot about the sustainability aspect. And there are brands doing all of those things, doing kind of a mix of those or really focusing on one of those areas. So I have a brand directory on my website, which has quite a few brands that I've looked into that I think are doing some really cool things in one or maybe a few of those areas. Most of them are actually doing things in multiple of those areas. So that's available on my website. And yeah, in terms of brands that I'm trying to think if there's any brands that are sort of doing really interesting things that are outside of your, I guess, um, the typical brands you might think about. Um, especially in America, there are some stores that carry multiple brands. So you have stores, I want to say, uh, a company, they do some really cool stuff. There's Hazel and Rose. I believe they carry multiple brands and have some interesting things. Mata Traders, they do some really fun and cute styles and yeah. Anyways, there's a, there's a whole lot of brands out there and I have a bunch of them in my directory. I will absolutely link to your directory in this week's show notes. I just wanted to conclude with a really hefty and deep question, which is that it sounds to me like when we talk about distancing ourselves from fast fashion, embracing slow fashion, embracing conscious fashion, what we're really talking about is changing societal norms around our clothing. And that seems to me like a very difficult thing to do. And I am reminded of this summer when comedian Tiffany Haddish like wore the same dress 
two or three times to two or three big, like, uh, I don't know, events. And she was, she made all the headlines for wearing this dress and it was a plain white dress and she looked great in it. And she said, you know, I look good. Why do I need to have a new dress for every uh, award ceremony that I go to? But the fact that she got so much coverage for wearing a dress two or three times just really exemplifies the fact that we as a culture expect a new outfit for every event we go to. And I'm just wondering, like, how do you circumvent that in your own life? Yeah, so that's such a great question. And, you know, when we're talking about sustainable and ethical fashion and all these brands and what they're doing, like, this is really digging deep into this. Um, And a lot of people aren't at all at that stage and really aren't aware of a lot of these things. And so I think there's so many things we can do just kind of right now in our day-to-day lives that can make a huge impact in the in the impact of your wardrobe and kind of you know the sort of general brands that you're supporting and one thing that I always tell people is the best thing you can do is just take a second to think about your purchase before you make it because impulse shopping is such a huge problem and I know that we can often all relate to that idea of buying something that you thought was great at that moment and then you never wore it or just hung in your closet with tags on And this is a super common thing where we impulse shop like crazy. And so taking a moment to think about your purchase and whether you actually need it, where you're going to wear it, what you're going to wear it with, just asking yourself a few questions to make sure that it's something that you're actually going to use is such a huge step to a more conscious wardrobe. And like you were saying, like buying clothes that you're going to wear more than once. There's a really great campaign called the 30 wears campaign, which is like, I think is such a good mindset to have. So no matter what you're going to buy, try to wear it at least 30 times. And when you're buying it, think to yourself, you know, am I going to wear this 30 times? Because just those little steps to cut out those impulse purchases, cut out those purchases that, you know, you buy and wear once or this disposable idea around fashion can make such a huge impact. And there's a lot of things you can do. Like we didn't really touch on the fact that secondhand shopping is incredibly sustainable and ethical. You know, you're using garments that already exist and are already out there. That's huge. And even if you can just shift some of your shopping, you know, instead of shopping at the mall all the time, checking out some thrift stores, that is such a big deal and cuts down on all of those resources and energy and everything that went into a new garment. Plus, you're not supporting any brands that maybe have some shady practices because, you know, it's a secondhand garment. It already exists in the world. Like there's so many ways like that that you can have huge impacts with your wardrobe. And also just keeping things, you know, caring for your clothes in a way that um, is going to allow them to last longer, maybe mending something instead of throwing it away. Like there are so many little things that we can do. And I think changing the, like you said, you know, changing these conversations where it's not just like, oh yeah, I picked this up for $5 and I'm going to wear it once and throw away, but celebrating the fact that you have pieces that you love, that you've worn for years and kind of, I guess, 
telling those stories behind those pieces, if it is from an ethical brand or it is something that you got secondhand, like being really proud to share that and talk about it because it is so crazy that, you know, it makes news that somebody wore a dress a few times. Like I remember seeing all the coverage around that, like you said, and it's kind of crazy to think about it, right? The fact that we're so used to the idea that celebrities wear a piece of clothing once that it's shocking that somebody would wear it more than once. Well, and just one thing you didn't mention in terms of incremental changes towards your wardrobe was I noticed on your Instagram that you recently went to a wedding and you rented your outfit. Where did you rent and would you do it again? Yeah. So that was my first time trying out a dress rental and I thought it was really cool. I would definitely do it again. You know, especially those special event clothes, um, you really don't tend to wear them very much. Like I know for me, I would maybe wear a dress once or twice to like a couple weddings that summer. And then typically, at least when I was buying a lot and shopping a lot of fast fashion, I would want a new dress the next time another special event came or the next summer. And that again, we're having these clothes that we're barely wearing. So the idea of renting clothes and especially renting special occasion clothes, I think is so awesome because these clothes can be worn a ton. You don't have something in your closet that you're not, you know, that's just sitting there that you're not using. So I had a great experience. I rented my dress from a Canadian brand called the Fitzroy. I know there are a few different brands. Um, There's like Rent the Runway. There's a few different companies out there that do dress rentals and special occasion dress rentals. And I think it's awesome for weddings or events or things that, you know, you just need a nice dress, but you don't necessarily want to buy one or, yeah. Renting sounds perfect for people who lean eco-friendly and perfect for minimalists, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's it's so great. It's such a cool thing. And it's it's really fun. You know, you can have this beautiful dress that you probably because I mean at least the way I shop, I'm pretty practical <laughs> about stuff. So I buy dresses that obviously I know I'm gonna wear and use a lot, but I also buy dresses that tend to go with a lot of other things in my wardrobe. And so this was a really fun experience because I got to buy a dress that I thought was really beautiful, but I would have never bought for myself because it was so kind of specific and wouldn't have gone with a lot of other things. So it was really fun to still be able to wear a piece like that, but I didn't have to have the commitment of owning it. Right, right. Erin, where can listeners find more of you? Uh, So you can find me on YouTube. My channel is My Green Closet. If you type that in, it should show up. And I also have a blog at MyGreenCloset.com. And I also like hanging around on Instagram. My handle is Verena Erin. Your Instagram is so good. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm just going to plug it for everybody. Uh, check out her Instagram. Check out all of it. It's all great, but uh, especially your Instagram. You have so much great inspiration there. I just want to thank you so much for coming on. This was really an enlightening conversation for me and I'm sure for my listeners as well. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I just love chatting about this. So yeah, it was really enjoyable. <laughs> thank you. I so hope you enjoyed that conversation with Erin Polloway of My Green Closet. Be sure to check out this week's show notes. I link directly to Erin's directory of conscious fashion brands there at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero four three. On next week's episode, we are talking about how to streamline our morning routines. I'll see you then. Take care. <laughs> 